Welcome to Shared Ground, where we meet to explore the lands and forests of eastern Canada, Mi'kma'ki, and our relationships to the rest of nature. We talk about ecology, conservation, forestry, and many interconnected issues. One of the main purposes of this podcast is to hear opinions and ideas from many different people. Nothing presented here is intended as the final word. Each perspective will hopefully lead to a better understanding of a bigger picture. I am Amanda Bostland, and I am in search of ideas, practices, and attitudes that offer mutual benefit for humans and all species for whom these lands are home. I believe in the importance of finding shared ground where as humans we can live well and meet our needs while contributing to thriving forests and the well-being of all the incredible life we share this planet with. On March 25th, in Bridgetown, in Caspicwick District in Nova Scotia, an event was hosted to launch a campaign called Save Our Old Forests, also referred to lovingly as the SOOF. This is part three of three shared ground episodes about this campaign. During this episode, you'll hear a slightly shortened version of a talk that Bob Bancroft gave at this packed event. The speaker before Bob was his friend and colleague Donna Crossland, and you'll hear him refer to Donna often in this talk. You can find Donna Crossland's talk in the last Shared Ground episode. I imagine many of us left the Saver Old Forests launch feeling inspired and motivated to use our individual power and intelligence for the greater good. And I'm excited for the folks that weren't able to make the event to be able to still hear the speakers from that day. I'd like to thank Cindy and Dion from Scion Sound Studio for sharing with me the recording of the presenters at the SOUF. Before we get to Bob's talk, I'd like to play for you two minutes of Rob Bright live at the launch explaining the what and the why of the campaign. That will be followed by Lawrence Powell introducing Bob Bancroft. Here's Rob. So why are we doing this campaign? The Save Our Old Forest campaign has one simple message. Old forests are critically important to nature and wildlife and habitat, and therefore they're critically important to us, all of us. We don't have much left, so we need to protect the little bit that remains. The good news is is that the province of Nova Scotia has made a legal commitment to protect 20% of lands and waters by 2030. To do this, they will have to add 330,000 hectares, about 815,500 acres, to protected status. And that has to happen over the next seven years. Fortunately, there's enough land to do this, with plenty left for forestry and other uses. The bad news is that the remaining old forests will be gone before they can be protected, unless we do something about it. I'd like to take a moment just to talk about Crown Land and what we mean exactly when we say save our old forests. We recognize that Crown Land is the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. We also recognize that around the world, lands stewarded by Indigenous people support more wildlife and nature and more habitat than lands that are stewarded by non-Indigenous people. Therefore, we support Indigenous-led efforts to protect Mother Earth, and as settlers, we are trying to do our part to halt the, the damage that is still being done to the remaining forests. Treating forests not as resources to be owned and used however we please, but as relations is an important step. So when we say save our old forests, we include all of our kin, both human and non-human. We have a great deal to learn, and we welcome opportunities to educate ourselves and to work with the original stewards of Mi'kma'ki. There is a better way, and that is what the Save Our Old Forest campaign is all about. 
we all know who Bob Bancroft is. We listen to him on CBC radio hundreds of times. I think of him as our own David Suzuki. He's a household name. He just keeps fighting. Bob is a wildlife biologist, a writer, media communicator. For 48 years, he has nurtured former pasture land in eastern Nova Scotia back to ecological forest health. 56 acres now have 52 tree species and many restored wildlife habitats. A former forest stewardship council assessor, he stepped down as president of the Nova Scotia Forest Alliance, the model forest for Nova Scotia and PEI, after a contractor clear-cut a neighbor's land and two provincial as well as one federal department would not enforce environmental laws that had been broken. We don't find that hard to believe. In 2009 and 10, the Nova Scotia government asked Bob and Donna Crossland to add science to the public will for forest change. It's captured by the voluntary planning's public consultation process. Unfortunately, Donna and Bob's recommendations for a new ecological forest strategy were ignored, and they were discredited by a Maine forester hired by the forest industry. Bob is the current president of Nature Nova Scotia, a group of individuals and 25 organizations attempting to raise a stronger voice for nature to counter the gutting of Nova Scotia's forests and habitats. So, Bob. Thank you. Wow. It's nice to be alive and all together for a change. I hope nobody catches COVID. Uh, <laughs> why are we laughing, eh? It's an interesting world that, uh, I gotta say right out the offset, I'm embarrassed by my culture. That kind of sums up what we've done here. And I, but really, uh, what scientists are learning is, is, is to think the way the First Nations folks did. And I'm not pretending to, but they knew the forest was really important. They were people of the forest, the Mi'kmaq. And because and, uh, they knew they were smart enough to respect the forest and not think of it as dollars in a pile by the road. Um, the biodiversity issues, that uh, that's a word that very few people know, but I call it species richness. If, if, you're, if you're looking for terminology. Um, we had it here. We really did. Um, it was just, essentially, uh, it's an insurance policy for nature to have as many different species of plants and animals together in one general area. And, and if one little thing changes, if, if the climate changes like it is now rapidly, then, then there's more to fill in. But, but what the forest industry has done, and I'm sure there's a spy or two here that'll report this, uh, uh, it basically is simplify the forest. In most of Nova Scotia, uh, Donna didn't say it, so I will, um, if you follow a fellow by the name of Barry Goldsmith, he studied until in the 80s, he, found, he determined that most forests in Nova Scotia had been removed four times from the 1700s up to the 1980s. And a couple of us have done the figure since, and it's about five times now with all this machinery that can just 
wipe out 200 acres in a matter of days. So we really have a lost, and, and, and nature's, I call the forest that comes in on a clear cut, it's, it's nature's healing process, but it's not the long-lived, stable forest, but it does have features that the wildlife can use. That's one of the big things here to, to get back to. So, so and, and, and it's a case of there's enough complication that if one thing goes a little wrong, there are other things that can fill in. That's how nature tends to work. There, we used to have forests like this, and, and, and a bear could, could hibernate in that, in that tree. In fact, three bears could probably hibernate. They would. Um, I, I know I have a neighbor that cut a tree down, and there were 25 flying squirrels, one red squirrel, and a bat in one hole, and it broke open. They liked the, each other's heat. It couldn't be 25 red squirrels. They'd fight too much. <laughs> but anyway, and as Donna said, uh, we're, we're, we're a part of a world that it's more like insect infestations and, and hurricanes that have affected. It's not, we put the fire there and starting in the 1700s, clearing the land, and then they got away. There weren't too many fire departments. But that's what happened to our trees, folks. And, and, uh, it went on for a long time, and, and the forest has changed a, a, too much. And what, what we really want to talk about is all these uh, other species that, that uh, did exist and do exist. One of the reasons I'm here today is that, first of all, it's very nice to, 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 to see a whole bunch of you. The only way we're ever going to change this is if we do things together and demand change. We've got to, got to do that. There are all kinds of you that have done that. The politicians won't do it right now because they don't think they're being supported by enough people. So that's where the role, and, and too often, conservation winds up being conversation and consternation. And it just doesn't go any further than that, and that's useless, really. It's, it just gets your nerves up. But there's so many delightful things in the forest that, that, uh, uh, that you, can, you can find and, and use. So when you, when you wind up with forests, uh, that are that have the right features, um, you'll get animals like the moose. And of course, we've, we're in trouble with the mainland moose right now for a very good reason, because they've been hounded out of house and home. They don't like roads. They, unlike deer, they're they're a backcountry animal that that needs some space. And uh, of course, the government hasn't even gone gone around to landscape planning, which is, I mean, if, if you get an animal is using tens of square kilometers of land. Uh, and th worse than that, they're identifying these areas as moose areas, and they're going in and clear-cutting them and turning them into, at the best, it's deer habitat. So so we've got a, a good reason to want to change this, and they've written it off. They won't say it, but they've just written it off by what they're doing. Actions really do speak better than words. I'm afraid I'm here speaking words, but... But I have, I have friends like uh, Carrie Prosper, a First Nations person up where I live, and he says, you know, when a tree falls down in the forest, there's an effect on the ocean eventually. And that's the way to think about it, folks. It's, it may take a long time, but something's going to go into the soil, and something's going to move through the soil and get in a stream and wind up feeding an oyster in the bay somewhere. So um, you've got to put it all together, and that's part of what's wrong with, with our culture. We keep isolating things, and DFO and forestry don't count when forestry depends whether there's any salmon in the stream. So we, we also have, we've got an aerial aspect to forests. Now, we're flatlanders. Oh, let's face it. If we weren't, we'd be orangutans because they're our closest relatives. And I think I'd like to be that sometimes. 
But, uh, but we've got bears and, and, uh, and a lot of other species that use that vertical element in the forest. And, and there are, are particular warblers that will use the upper part of the forest canopy, and there's middle layers that are used by other species, and then there's a series of at down at the bottom of the forest canopy. So it's very important if you're actually working on a piece of land to maintain that vertical element. We may not use it, but everybody else does. And that's, that's what I've just illustrated here with a hemlock stand. This particular one was cut because they were afraid it was going to be made into a park, the government was going to declare. And, and it's, it's really important to have higher, older trees and, and uh, you can still have forestry. Last year, about this time, there was an amazing piece of science that came out in, in, in nature, ecology, and evolution. And I'm not sure that you're aware of it. I, I'm hoping I'm not boring you here with this, but um, what, it, what it basically got around to was that forest degradation is, is driving widespread avian habitat and population declines. They took two years of the bird breeding atlas work that a lot of you probably did, because I know I'm speaking to the converted here, but we wound up back in the 80s doing a, a five-year program that, of figuring out who was nesting where, and then we came back 20 years later, we did it again. And, and uh, the results were actually correlated by, by uh, Matt Betts, who some of you might have heard of, and, and another fellow that was around here, Joe Nasira, and some others. And they proved that, uh, I guess the best way to do it is to, is, is to, is to re read it. Um, the losses are, are of, of bird populations, they did it just for birds, are directly the result of the removal of old age forest classes. And when you look around, sometimes science is the matter of proving the obvious. You drive by clear cuts all the time, and you know the mature forests are gone. But they actually documented a potential loss of 30 to 100 million birds over a 35-year period from 1985 to 2020 in the Maritimes alone, due to forestry practices only. So. There was a remarkable silence for a little while from the forest industry before they just went back to doing what they normally do because they couldn't come up with anything to, to really, this is good science. And the corollary to it, folks, is basically there's a lot of, of mammals like this, this pine martin. That, uh, and if you're, a, if you're a pine martin and you want to build a nest, you don't really want to do it on a tree on the ground because if a coyote comes along and it's a rotten old tree, They'll just tear into it. So you want standing dead trees. And at Corbett Lake, there were all kinds of hollow trees that they cut down and left on the ground. And some of the trees on their sides were like that high. And, and of course, chimney swifts used to be tree swifts that, that found a, a tree that fire had gutted it out or it just rotted out. So there's all kinds of species that... Uh, they can use holes in trees and, and to get away from things, whether it's uh, something like the martin or, or its bigger uh, cousin, the, the fisher. There's just a whole bunch of things like that. So, and actually, I brought in denning logs and things on my property just to try to. So, Don is absolutely right that there's an awful lot of life here on top of the dead trees, and people are talking right now about Fiona. Oh, we got to clean this all up. I'm cutting my paths back out and leaving everything. And, and a little bit of firewood if I wanted to get it home because I'm not afraid to burn firewood. But, but these are the trees where, this is where you'll find the hemlocks and, and, and the yellow birch trees growing. I see heads nodding. You've all seen it. So it's not, it's not waste wood. Nature doesn't waste. 
It's that simple. But they keep selling us this bill of goods that really is kind of terrible. So um, anyway, um, i got to say just quickly that this is far too short a, a talk. I'm, I'm trying to cover too, we're trying to cover too much ground. But the wildlife guidelines or regulations that came into force back in the 80s were a token the guidelines. They weren't adequate. They were the, sci the scientists said what was needed, and the and some of them didn't, I must say, understand exactly what was needed, because uh, they aren't. A lot of biologists aren't thinking in in the, in the wider approach, but but the, the government just went to the industry and came up with a compromise, like 20 meters along a, a brook, which is absolutely ridiculous, and and we know from from other science that moose, for example, won't move along a a a, a, a twenty meter riparian zone. They're too ex they feel too exposed. They need at least fifty or sixty meters before they'll do it. And in my opinion, we shouldn't even be clear cutting. And where I have I consult with private people, you, you can you don't need to clear cut, so you don't you don't have to worry about a riparian zone. I was working with the First Nations folks, and and we just you, you're you're doing selection cuts. You're you're not you're leaving you're leaving the canopy mostly closed, just opening little holes, and and that's how you can you can get the get the get the trees to come back and and uh, grow them that way. I've got a, a section of my woods. I I, I want to give you some hope here. We're not going to have old forest more old forest instantly. It's 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 not doesn't make sense. But what I found where I've been working for with with the trees now and for 48 years in one spot is that a lot of those grow fast die fast species really do die fast. I've got I've got trees that have like 10 holes in them now and some holes are big enough for a pileated woodpecker um, and seven different species. Of, well, if you do actually have a forest and you can let things become elders as Donna says you'll wind up with all kinds of animals coming into it, almost too many, because they're, they're refugees from what's happened to the forests around. So I've had, like, uh, uh, I've had a goshawk nest that was upset because there was an eagle nest, and there was an owl nest in between. Uh, they'll pack in, and then you wind up with dead young goshawks because there's not enough food. So the wildlife story is largely just underappreciated because they just die quietly. In this particular case, these owls came into the property, and the woods were too young, and I looked for a while and couldn't find a nest hole and, and stuck up a, a box, and that's one of the last year's babies. Uh, but uh, I want to leave it on a high note, and there's too much to talk about as usual, but um, uh, I, I do think I appreciate your interest in showing up today. Don and I didn't know whether we were going to have three people or 30. Um, I think there's strength in numbers. We we have to, and and uh, and and doing something. And I'd just like to pay tribute to folks down here, Arlington, the the, the group here that saved the forest there, and and Nina, and 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 uh, just I think it's safe to say that if 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 they hadn't done a good job, we wouldn't be here. And, and they're spreading some consciousness that is really needed in our society right now. We can be good stewards. We can be. So. What a treat to hear Bob Bancroft speak. 
I feel encouraged to think of all the folks who are joining him and so many other wise and thoughtful folks working so hard to save our old forests. As he said, and we can all agree, there is power in numbers. I'd like to invite you to click to follow the Shared Ground podcast and stay tuned for an interview with Bob Bancroft coming out soon. Now, we'll head back to Rob Bright for a moment to hear him outline the actions we can each take to help make a difference and save our old forests. We have a few different strategies here to hold the government accountable, and we need your help to make this happen. The first thing you can do is sign the petition. Specifically, the petition calls for the Premier to pause all harvesting and road building in forests over 80 years old on Crown land in Annapolis County until 20% of Nova Scotia lands have been permanently protected. This is a very reasonable ask, considering what's at stake here. We decided to launch the Save Our Old Forest campaign in Annapolis County, where we live, but we would love to see it spread province-wide. We have developed a toolkit to help people in other counties take up the campaign, so if you live in another county and you would like to get involved, please contact us. We're here to help you. Another way you can help is by taking a few copies of the petition and helping fill those petitions with signatures. Get your friends, family, neighbours, co-workers, colleagues, get them all to sign it and collect as many signatures as you can and as soon as you can. If you're on social media, follow and like us on Facebook and Instagram and share our posts with your friends and groups. And if you have a business or you belong to a non-for-profit, consider letting us use your logo on our website as a Save Our Old Forest supporter. There's power in numbers and every show of support counts. If, we, if what remains of our old forests are going to be protected, we're not going to be able to do it without numbers and numbers of people, and that means all of you. For more information about the Save Our Old Forests campaign and details of the simple but powerful actions that you can take, go to arlingtonforestprotection.ca. Be sure to check out the other Shared Ground episodes that came from this event. Episode 11 gives an overview of the campaign and features an interview with Rob Bright, and Episode 12 is where you will find Donna Crossland's talk. Thank you for listening to Shared Ground. Until next time, fellow humans.